You're listening to the Fear of the Wave cast, week five uh, preview with Kelly Camarda, Jimmy Ordino, and Jake Weinstock. Jimmy, we got UAB coming to town to start conference play. Uh, Trent Dilfer and his crew played tough at Georgia last week. Um, what have you seen from the Blazers so far? You know, that's a program that when, when the six teams came up, you kind of looked at them as, as somebody who could potentially really hit the ground running in the American. They, they have pretty good support in North Alabama. They, you know, they, they, they're relatively well-funded um, and have some history of success. It was a little bit surprising to see how they came out the gates this year. But um, what we've seen so far is a team that, you know, has, can do some things offensively, a very good quarterback. Um Who's, who can use his legs as well and, and it will present a challenge from that standpoint in terms of discipline with rush lane integrity and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, just hadn't played very good defense, have given up 40-plus points in most of their games this year against anyone with a pulse of giving up more than 40. Um, so for whatever reason, Coach Dilfer's um, group is not yet um, – performing maybe the way he'd like, but, you know, the guy was controversial hire and all that, um, you know, heard him for a number of years. I know his personality can be a little bit grating at times, but I always kind of felt like listening to him talk, like God knows quarterback play knows how to make the game easier for quarterbacks. And I think we pretty much see that reflected for Zeno, you know, his, his, a lot of easy throws available to him, um, high completion percentage, um, and 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 is able to move the football at least between the twenties. Um, you know, twenty-one points in Georgia is nothing to sneeze at. I think it's somebody you got to be ready to play against, or you know, you, to avoid a shootout. I do think we we do avoid that. Um, but um, it, it's probably the second toughest test I think our defense has faced this year uh, after Ole Miss. Yeah, and they're a team that's struggling to find. I think the guys they want to. Um the guys they want to play on the offensive line and also at a couple of other positions, they're not particularly strong at cornerback. Um, what have you seen from their offensive line so far, Jim? Yeah. You know, just from watching, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of duress, obviously. UAB uh, is also known, uh, you know, and the coach Clark had a, you know, really known for a, um, uh, outside zone running scheme that was very effective. They, 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 were clinical in their execution, and and you just don't see that here. Um, see some personnel changes uh, up front, and um, you know, just uh, I think they're you know they may not have the guys on the roster, but they're still obviously searching for the right combination of guys to try to do what the coach wants them to do. But they have gotten away from what has made them successful in the past with McBride and others at running back, but um, you know. Uh, like I was just talking about, I mean, a quarterback's probably been a little bit more successful than recent UAB quarterbacks as well. So, I mean, you know, it's just kind of a different way to attack uh, a defense. Um, but but they don't quite have – they, they struggle to avoid the big negative play that, that are drive killers. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the guys up front. Yeah, and Jake, I'm noticing on the tape a little bit that um, what Jimmy says is correct. I mean, they're, they're – certain situations where Zeno gets heated up a little too often. And, um, you know, with their controlled passing game, trying to get the ball out quickly, if that throw's not there, if his first read's not there and he has to pump, 
he starts to panic a little bit. He starts to flush out of the pocket maybe when there's, you know, there's no pressure or the pressure's on him pretty quickly. Um, what have you seen from Zeno? Um, what do you attribute his success to? Is it is it mostly schemed up uh, for him really easy on a platter, or does he does he do a good job kind of uh, post snap of pre snap and post snap of identifying what's going to be open and um, just making good read good throws? I think primarily it's schemed up. I think it's set up to allow him um, easy throws, a lot of high high efficiency, high accuracy, first read opportunities. And I mean, the guy's, you know, completing a high percentage of his passes this season. And that's, that's not by accident. I also think, you know, I feel like a broken record every week. Cause I always look at, at the splits and I see, you know, every quarterback we play, you know, they're a lot worse when they're under pressure than versus clean. Right. And that's, that's going to be almost every quarterback ever, unless it's a statistical statistical anomaly over the course of a short period of time. But what strikes me about his splits is that his numbers plummet when he is blitzed but not pressured, right? I mean, everyone's numbers, as I said, whether it's a four-man rush or whether it's a blitz, when pressured are terrible. Um, It's usually a question of how terrible, but they're generally terrible. In his case, even when he's not being pressured but his process is being sped up, he is statistically speaking, no longer an efficient or effective passer. The thing that I think we really have to keep in mind this week and that, you know, may factor into how much man coverage we can play is he has probably been their best and most effective runner. Um, He is, you know, he leads the team in yards per attempt when you filter out sacks. He has the largest number of runs of 10 plus yards on the season with six all of which have been scrambles. Um, you know, about two-thirds of his overall rushing yards, actually a hair above that, have been on scrambles as opposed to the design run. So I think it, it seems like the system is set up for easy read, maybe a, a easy check down or second read, and then when in doubt, use your athletic ability, pick up what yards you can. And, you know, in his, you know, in his defense, he is actually in the same ballpark with both of the running backs who split times in the category of yards after contact. I think he's averaging 1.5, 1.6 yards per attempt after contact, which isn't isn't phenomenal by any means, but it's right in the ballpark with the backs um, who are just below and just over 2.0. So that's the element of his game that I think we really need to keep an eye on this week and you know, for the most part, it's it's not something we've talked a whole lot about, at least on this show this season. Whereas last year, once we got into November, um, you know, we were playing some cats who could run. And, and obviously, had we done a better job in the UCF game in particular in November, the first one um, probably would have probably would have brought that one home. Well, yeah. And you mentioned Zeno with the yards after contact. How would you defend a guy like this in, a, in an offense that wants to get the ball out as quickly as possible and let their receivers and running backs make plays with the balls in their hand? Well, I think it's tough because on the one hand, you know, generally speaking, when you hear a team wants to get the ball out quickly um, and doesn't have that true, absolutely dynamic um, receiver that, that should terrify you, you think, well, let's play some press coverage. Um, let's play press man. The problem with that 
this week, of course, and this was the exact problem we had in that UCF game I mentioned a year ago, is, as you guys know, when you play man coverage, you can be vulnerable to the quarterback scramble. Uh, it totally, it can totally vacate the middle of the field. Um, people don't have their eyes to the quarterback. So, and, you know, we may, I don't know, we may combine the two. We may see some spies from our linebackers. I, I don't think he is of such um, tremendous athletic ability that any one of the three linebackers we have that are playing the bulk of the snaps right now wouldn't be able to effectively spy him. So that may be an option for us. But, you know, it's it's not going to be as simple as let's take away this side of the field or let's try to take this one receiver away. I mean, this is an offense that, that to Dilfer's credit, absolutely spreads the ball around. And Kelly, your point, absolutely gets it out fast. They have a, nine different players through four games who have at least 11 targets and not a single player on the team has more than 22 targets. So that is absolutely the definition of spreading the wealth, um, you know, utilizing different personnel groupings because it's not all receivers. It's backs, it's tight ends, it's it's a plethora of guys. And so, um, you know, I, but as we talked about, if you can speed up his his clock, it, this is a perfect team where if you can keep them in a negative down in distance and use some of those unique pressure packages that Jimmy mentioned on the Nichols postgame show, it's going to be, they're going to have a hard time, I think, keeping pace with us. And, and I don't think this is a week where we're going to keep our opponent at seven points or three points or anything like that. But um, I, I think if we play even a B, B-minus game on defense, they're going to have a really, really hard time keeping pace, and they're going to have, a, frankly, a, a really, really hard time covering. So we'll, we'll see, but that's how I see it playing out. Well, Jimmy, let's flip sides of the ball and talk about two-lane offense. Um, UAB's defense has so far shown the um, – the willingness to add that extra safety to the box, their safeties at times play extremely shallow, maybe seven, eight yards in depth. Um, and, and they kind of sell out for the run a little bit, um, you know, depending on down and distance. So it, it appears to me that this could be a game where we get the ball going deep on the outsides where, you know, there's going to be one-on-one coverage. They have smallish corners. But I also could see a, a very heavy dose of run and then a bunch of shot plays, kind of like the South Alabama game. What do you think? Uh, you know, in conference play, I don't see Tulane's offense having showing much of a tendency to kind of, you know, at least with in this championship version of our team, uh, beating our head against the wall if, if something's not there. And, and if you're facing a defense that's going to try to create a numbers advantage for itself where we'll, we'll – take that and we'll oblige and, and beat you where you don't have the numbers. So, um, you know, now you can do things, you know, counter tray and things like that, to, you know, jet sweep option and things to kind of change the numbers a little bit, even if, even if there's an extra guy down, et cetera, but, you know, having them and having not demonstrated the ability to cover particularly well downfield, I just, I, I think this is something where, where, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be pretty aggressive and, 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 you know, take those plays. And so, yeah, that reminds me a lot of South Alabama. Now I don't expect, you know, quite that level of efficiency. I mean, you know, that was kind of extraordinary. I mean, Michael's passer rating was like 364 or something in that game, um, you know, which 
the biggest components of that, you know, uh, are yards per attempt and, um, you know, touchdown to interception ratio and, and, um, which, you know, he had what, four touchdowns, no, <laughs> no interceptions and he had 26 or seven yards per attempt, uh, and a completion percentage which was 14 and 15. I mean, you know, it's kind of, I don't think he can get much higher than he got. Um, so yeah, you don't expect to see quite that, but, um, I do expect if, if, if they're going to be committed to taking away the run, I, I do expect this not to attack. Now that said, you know, one thing I pointed out in the Nichols pregame show was, you know, I think it kind of came to fruition. In fact, in Jimmy Osho, you, you'll hear Thursday, you'll hear Michael Pratt talking a little bit about this. Nichols had that extra week to prepare. Um, they kind of found some tendencies and found ways to attack it and were effective at times with those attacking. And, and my fear was that they can give a game plan to future opponents. And so, I, I you know, I do think UAB – We'll see if we solve some of the problems we saw last week. You know, now I think the big difference is you could look at, look back at the Nichols game and kind of see it. It was almost like the game script offensively was like a scrimmage script. It was like, okay, we want to work on this concept. You know, it, it was completely not schemed to opponent. It was, all right, look, we got to, we got to get Michael and Chris Brazzo more in the same page. Like, let's work some timing stuff with Chris. Let's work some some option stuff almost with Chris. Like that near interception on the first drive looked like something where Michael was expecting Chris to go post. He kept going with a go, and, you know, the safety <laughs> came in between. We were fortunate he dropped it. But it was like – it was almost like we were, we're, we're working on things. Um, you know, that's not going to be the case this week. This week is going to be, okay, you don't do this well. This is what we're going to attack. And so the results will be better uh, almost certainly – uh, in terms of of success offensively, and so I, I expect to score fast, and 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 you know that in to the point Jake made about not holding them a three or seven, I think more than anything, I mean that that's just the defense will be on the field more because, uh, frankly, I expect the offense to not control the ball so much. I mean, I kind of expect them to to sort of score in two and three minute drives, and 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 a lot, frankly, and so. If that happens, the defense is, is just a function of math. The defense will find itself on the field more often and have to defend more plays against a, um, a offense that can do some things. So, yeah, and, and you know now that we're starting conference play, the bag is open, so to speak, and there's nothing really to hold back. Even if we, you know, are trying to look forward to the Memphis game a little bit, we have a week off to make adjustments before that game. So I think that um, now that everything, you know, you can't just roll the ball out and win a game like kind of like we did last week where we kind of just do whatever we needed to do and our talent, our physical prowess would take over. Um, this week, I think we're going to see a lot more than we've seen in the running game. I think we could see for Jimmy, um, you know, maybe more wildcat or read option with Makai and, and shoddy or something. Some There's going to be some wrinkle or something new that we haven't seen or something familiar that we saw last year that's coming back this week. I really expect that to happen. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do. And, you know, I also think um, – I just don't think you can have – you can hit a hole like Arnold Barnes did at the end of the game and not necessarily – and not see him get a few more touches either. I think we'll see more of him and and just see if he can have a sudden – make some sudden plays in the run game. But – you know, we haven't seen – I don't know if we've seen a wide receiver screen all year. And if we have, I haven't 
I I don't recall it. And I mean, we down the stretch last year, we had a lot of success doing that with Jaquan. Um, I would expect to start seeing more of that in our game plan. Um, you know, particular, you know, depend. I mean, of course, it depends on how they're covering you and so forth. But um, you know, if they're they're man heavy or something, blitz heavy, uh, that starts to make some sense. So. Uh, you know, there's something there's there's gonna be some tricks and tricks waiting in the bag to be sure. We haven't seen that much our last week, I should say, we didn't see very much RPO concept. I mean, we'll see more of that. Um, and and you know, uh, it, it's just there, there'll be opponent specific game planning, uh, that will take place to a degree that we haven't probably seen since Ole Miss. And you know, and of course, Michael wasn't in that game, so. I expect to see a very dynamic offense on Saturday. Yep, and we have thrown two screens. You you forgot the big one you saw in person, Jaquan for the touchdown against Southern. Oh, that's Miss. right. That's right. Yeah. Play of Ole Miss, I think, was a screen that Kai threw. So, um, you know, we we've seen it a couple times, but we haven't really seen much of it. Jake, mm-hmm. uh, looking at our offense and kind of what you expect to see this week, um, and what you saw last week. I mean, what to Jimmy's point we haven't seen a full game plan really for Michael yet. And Michael is obviously a much different player than Kai. Um, you know, if, if you were trying to scheme up the perfect game for Michael this week, what would that look like in terms of play calling in terms of how much he's going to run and, and, and what types of options you're going to give him? I would hope that he would run as little as possible. Um, and not to disagree with you guys too much, but I I don't anticipate a ton of resistance this week. If, if Michael has shaken the rust off more than we saw last week, number one, and number two, we, we bust out some of the, the hallmarks of this offense as we've known it from Coach Nagel for, you know, the last season and a quarter. Uh, this is absolutely on paper one of the worst defenses in the country. I want people to keep in mind when I read some of this off that there are 133 qualifying FBS schools in these statistics. This is the number 131 scoring defense. Now, keep in mind, they've only played four games, but they only had to play Georgia once. It's right. It's not like they played Georgia four times. Number 131 scoring defense, allowing 46.3 points per game. They are the number 131 defense in terms of rushing yards allowed per attempt 6.1 yards per attempt against they are number 128 in overall yards per play against 7.2 they have the hand the the tied for the worst third down defense in the country allowing 67.6 percent conversions from their opponents and they're allowing over 8.4 yards per attempt from opposing passers All of that being said, there is one area where we have seen some issues crop up this season from the wave, and it is something that changes every football game faster than anything else, and that's turnovers. They're averaging 2.7 takeaways per game, which is actually fifth most in the country. So, you know, if if this was a team that was turning their first four opponents over, even at an average rate, you'd have to think they'd be over 50 points per game allowed so i you know ideally kelly what i would like to see from michael is get the ball out of his hands quickly um you know as much as i love the post snap rpo concepts um 
you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any tag in those that allows him to keep the ball and run. I, I would keep it to a straight give or slant. Um, you know, it, get get rid of the get the ball out of Seven's hands. I think would be the key this week because you you don't have to, you shouldn't have to ride him and have have him have to carry the ball ten twelves. You shouldn't have to have him sit back there and get through his second, third, fourth read and and take hits. You, you really shouldn't. Um, you know, that said, uh, if you had asked me whether he would have taken as many hits in the Nichols game as he did uh, an hour before kickoff, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. So, you know, best laid plans, but uh, I would, I would try to run the ball um, quite a bit this week. And this, this really should be one of those games that, that Jimmy talked about all season last year when he and I had our are squabbling back and forth, you know, do you lean into the NFL quarterback or do you lean into the NFL running back that you have on your roster in a G5 league? This really should be a week where, to his point all last season, you should be able to do whichever one you want, whatever you want. That that should be this week, and and I would hope we don't have to see as many of those wrinkles um, as effective as they are because, you know, let's all keep in mind, we have a bye week. We have a road game uh, on the 13th against Memphis, who, you know, according to the market, according to Vegas, um, is the toughest game left we have on our schedule. Yeah, Jake, let me stop you real quick and, and ask a follow-up about the RPO game. And, and you talked about it, having a tag for Michael and, and not having a tag for Michael to be able to pull down, the ball down and run it. I mean, just from an amateur perspective, what – from what I've seen from him, where he really gets in trouble is when he makes the wrong read, he pulls the ball, goes to throw the slant, and it's not there. And that's when he ends up pulling the ball down and taking those big hits to me in the middle of the field. How do you prevent that from happening and still keeping the RPO you know, game alive? So what to me, what you would have to do is if, if you aren't, hundred percent comfortable that he's going to be able to make the right decision on that 90% of the time, 80% of the time. I think you almost have to not have the willingness again against an opponent, like what I'm anticipating we're going to see on Saturday. You have to have the willingness to not call post snap RPOs. Now, I mean, you know, there's nothing that says you can't go back to the original RPO concept, which is the pre-snap RPO, which is what, you know, Brett Favre made famous and then, um, you know, uh, Robert Griffin III and the Shanahan's really brought alive uh, in 2012 for anyone who listened to the Play Callers podcast. But th- that's, I think, the way you do it unless unless you're willing to, you know, have your quarterback subject himself, for lack of a better phrase, to, to perhaps some unnecessary hits. I mean, I, I think, you know, unless you can ingrain in him that, you know, you want to lean into a give here for self-protection measures more than anything. I, I I don't see how you can avoid that risk outside of just not calling it. Yeah. And to me, it just seems like Michael at this point is who he is. He's a competitive kid. And it thinks that, um, you know, if, if he's got that RPO and, and, he, and he makes the wrong read, 
he's not going to just pull the ball down and take a knee or slide or whatever he needs. He's going to get out there and try to get yards. And I think that to protect him, to protect him, you got to take that away from him unless he absolutely needs. Um, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he's 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 a tough kid, and you know, if if he's healed up, um, you know, there's no chance of further structural damage, et cetera. You know, I just think you 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 play his game. I mean, you know, it, it um, without a Tajay Spears, you just if the numbers aren't there in the run game, it's hard to get too conservative where, where you just run into the teeth of a defense. And, and, and if that play call is what opens it up for you, you got to at least have the threat up. And now that's not to say, I mean, look, you, you can call a straight run and have the, the, the pass action off of it to keep them honest and so forth. But I mean, we just made so many big plays um, passing wise in RPO. It's kind of hard to take that arrow out of the quiver. Now, you know, one thing he can do is it's a post snap read, but with a pre snap tendency, I mean, he can can kind of lean towards. Look, you're given this unless it's obvious that it's going to be there, right? Like you know, the, the corners in the wrong leverage. There's no way they're going to cover the slant, et cetera. You kind of see it pre snap, and in in you know when it when it's absolutely clear it's there, then then pull it, Michael. But otherwise, you know, just give it. We can get three yards, we can get four yards, and and we'll be fine. Um. So, you know, now that's just me, amateur psychologist. I mean, you know, it, it could very well be that Coach Nagel just says, you know, we don't really need it um, this week. Let's let's get through this game, doing some other stuff, take the bye, and we make sure he's totally healthy. I mean, we, we don't know um, the exact status of his health. So I think that's a huge determinant in any of this discussion that, that we just don't know. So – um, you know, I, I think that that's going to be the main thing that where it comes down is, 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 you know, how does medical staff, how does Michael, how does the coach staff, how, the, the three of them in communication, like what's the real risk here and what's not. And, you know, what, one thing that is clear and we can all agree with is that we know his tendency and we know, we know how he's going to play the game of football if you give him a chance to play it. And, and, and that's got to come into the risk, uh, risk reward equation and decision making. Well, Jimmy, maybe we take a play out of Will Hall's playbook and uh, and and a little bit of what Jake was talking about. You know, maybe you see trips to one side and and a run call, and if if the numbers don't match up on the receivers, you you toss the receiver screen a bunch of times until you get until you force people out of the box, and then maybe you can run the ball a little bit. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can do to try to open open this up and hope, Michael. It's just going to be interesting to see how we do it. I'm sure Coach Nagel has a plan for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they'll figure it out. I'm not too worried. Well, all right. Well, we know this week is uh, opening of conference. We've been so far reasonably accurate on these predictions. Um, Jake, why don't you go first this week? What is your prediction for the game, um, and what is going to be your key deciding factor? So I was so determined to pick 34 to seven uh, because that was the score of Super Bowl 35 that Trent Dilfer won when he beat my father's Giants. And I watched a grown man almost cry uh, when I was 10 years old in person in Tampa. But I, I can't. That's just not enough points. Um, so I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to 34 is just not enough. Uh, I'm going to go Tulane. 
I'm going to go Tulane 52, UAB 21. Uh, I think ultimately UAB put some points on the board. I think they have more first-half offensive success than than we have seen really at any point this season from any of our opponents, um, including Ole Miss. Uh, I think they have the capacity um, – to make this to make this competitive early and to put some points on the board. I mean, you know, you saw it last week against Georgia, certainly, but um, I think I think the to Kelly's initial point when we started this, the the way the offense is structured, it it is set up for the quarterback to have some success, and I think they do get rolling a little bit, but ultimately we make some adjustments. Uh, but the, on the other side of the ball, I just I I again I don't see. I don't see them slowing us down. You know, we talk a lot on this show about how secondaries are a weak link system and how, you know, last year and this year we've been very blessed with our cornerback play to not really have a true weak link. You know, I'm looking at the UAB secondary. F- find me the strong link. I mean, it, it just it, – it's not – it's not a group that I see on paper or on film being able to match up with our receivers. So um, the key to the game, Kelly, for me, I said it. I mean, this is a this is a – statistically horrible defense that has shown they can and will take the ball away. So if, you know, it sounds cliche, but if we can avoid um, multiple turnovers, I I think this is one we should, um, we should be able to run away with, you know, but we put the ball on the ground two or three times and throw it to the guys in white once or twice more. Uh, this could be way more uncomfortable and way more competitive as we get into the fourth quarter in mid-afternoon than anyone would like. Jake firing shots at everybody, including his own father. Jake, real men cry, man. Don't you know that? I, I, I hope he taught you that. I've um, cried like three times this week, so nothing wrong with crying. It, mental health is real, guys. Get out there and, and seek help if you need it. All right, Jimmy, what do you think? You know, I, I guess I kind of hear the turnover warning and, 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 you know, after last week, uh, since, you know, we, we've got to tighten that up a little bit and that'll, that might keep our scoring down just a tad. And I do think they'll have some success defensively. I, I'm going to go 42, 17. Um, you know, I, I, as far as the way they attack, how we respond to their offense. I mean, I, I think the threat of his legs pretty great. I think we'll see. Actually, particularly with all the stack looks and so forth out wide, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Matt zone, zone concepts, keeping eyes on the quarterback and just counting our ability to tackle. Um, and so we're going to be willing to give up, you know, the five, six-yard gain here and there and, and, and let them possess the ball a little bit and just keep everything in front of us and, and eventually force them to break down. And that'll happen, but but they'll move the ball some and, and – um, you know, they'll be able to get some points out of it. And so 42-17 sounds right, maybe with one one or two turnovers that we're not particularly pleased with that keeps us out of the 50s because my, my initial instinct was the 49-52 range. But but I'll, I'll, I'll heed Jake's warning about their ability to turn you over and, and say they'll, 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 they'll benefit from that, at least to keep it in the low 40s. Yeah, God forbid you agree with me on something. God forbid. Well, Can't give get, me my 52 points. Get ready because I was planning on picking one. I think this is either going to be one type of game or another, and it's going to be kind of a one extreme or the other. And one of the uh, one of the scores I had was 52 to 22 lane. And now that Jake picked 52 21, I'm going to go with the other style of game. I think Tulane wins this 34 16. I think they get up early 34 to 3. 
And in order to protect Michael, I think we're just going to try to grind it out, ball control in the second half, um, you know, try to wind clock, try to get the running game going a little bit, try to protect our quarterback and just kind of, you know, ride it out till the end, uh, playing pretty good defense. But I think UAB has enough in the tank on offense to move the ball at least between the 20s, uh, get some field goal opportunities, maybe get a garbage touchdown to make it uh, 34-16 Tulane. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back after the game on Saturday. Remember, it's an early game, 11 a.m. kickoff. So our episode will be up Saturday afternoon or evening. Um, check us out at ftwcollective.com. That's ftwcollective.com. Purchase tickets to our dinner with uh, Coach Hunter, the tip-off. Um, you'll find out about that on our website. That's going to be an awesome event the Friday night before homecoming, October the 20th at Palace Cafe. Join us at that one. Fellas, thanks for joining us again. We got it, buddy. Roll with.